0: Welcome to episode 8 of the Synchro Swim podcast.
1: Mitch, did you say episode 8? I did. <laughs> You're Mitch, by the way. I'm Sam. Welcome, everybody.
0: We realize that we never really introduced ourselves on previous episodes except for episode 1, so sorry about that. I'm Mitch, and this is Sam.
1: We just assumed you knew who we, who we were because we're so important. Um, but yeah, Mitch, we have special guests today. Go ahead and introduce them.
0: We have some very special guests. We have some pediatricians in the room. Well, one pediatrician and one soon-to-be pediatrician. We have Dr. Dower here with us, and we have soon-to-be Dr. Becky Lee with us. Thank you for joining us.
2: Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Now, our regular... (laughs) So, I have to explain why we're all laughing. Um, Mitch and I have to share a microphone because one of our microphones is pretty broken. Oh, that's okay. You can grab that um and so we're sharing a microphone now we have it, a swivel arm and it just he just he just hit me in the face with it so that's what you heard was my chin uh so most, <laughs> of, <laughs> most of our regular listeners know that i always usually have something uh you know i always have a, a sour attitude towards pediatrics um but I, I i really don't i love kids uh so we're
2: excited to have you two here today thank you it's great it's great to be here
0: Dr. Dower, if you wouldn't mind, you are at newer faculty here. We're all very happy to have you. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, because we're all still getting to know you, just like you're getting to know all of us.
3: Of
1: course, yeah, before she does of that, course. I gotta tell you, The first time I discovered that you existed was during our transition to residency course, because we had never known who you were. Um, and I will say that her charm was definitely not lost on us. Uh, when she just came in the room, dazzled us. Uh, and the first thing I thought was, Who's this precious woman? Please don't leave. Aww, <laughs> um, and you. why so late in the game do we get to spend time with you? But better better sometime than none time, right? Um, but yeah, please tell us tell us your story, your life. Thank Who are you. you? Where are you from? Who and am why I? pediatric? <laughs>
3: How much do we have? Okay, so we'll be here for the next four hours. So thank you so much. You guys are so sweet. I am so happy to be here at Nova. And the journey was not so long because I'm only 33, but it felt quite long considering all the training that we go through. So I'm from Miami Beach, born and raised, and I'm a Ukrainian Jew by background. My parents are uh, Ukrainian born. And I always knew that I wanted to be a physician, but I actually was thinking initially neurosurgery or some sort of microsurgery until I vasovagaled in the OR and realized, hey, that's probably not going to work out for me and for my patients. That was, the end of that, <laughs> that was the end of the OR for me. But I started medical school at the University of Miami, met my husband day one in the anatomy lab on our cadaver. Fell in love almost instantly, and we've spent the last twelve years together. And he is a vascular surgeon. We couples matched thereafter to Einstein in New York, and he did gen surge. I did peds at the Children's Hospital at Montefiore, and I I knew that peds was for me almost immediately when I started my hemonk peds rotation. And I might have told you guys this already, but I saw the resilience in children that I I didn't often see in adults. I saw that these kids who were given these grave diagnoses were still smiling, running down the hallway with their little IV poles and their adorable bald heads. And they were just happy as can be and just strong and resilient when there were days that, you know, we as the physicians were crying and we were just so heartbroken for them. They were the ones who had the strength to move us to the next day. It was absolutely incredible to watch. And I said, this is the population I want to care for. This is, I, want to, I want to be a pediatrician. I then realized that I wanted to be the type of pediatrician who takes care of sick children. Not too sick, not the ones in the ICU, but I don't want to be in in the clinic every day. I want to be in the hospital because that's the setting that I like. And I found myself in hospital pediatrics, so I was a pediatric hospitalist for four years. And during that time, I was also the assistant program director for the PEDS program up in New York. And I found myself here because after my husband finished training, we were always going to come back home. And I was looking for a PEDS hospitalist job, but I'm sure that you guys know that there were not so many peds admissions happening during COVID. The ones that were getting admitted were the extremely sick COVID kids, the extremely sick Miss c the multisystem inflammatory syndrome kids. But there, there wasn't a lot of work to be done in pediatric hospital medicine. And the jobs that were available weren't a fit for me. And this job opened up did I think I would go into medical education at 33? Absolutely not. I saw it as something I would do after 15 years of practice at the age of 45, right? After I really like honed in my skill as a hospitalist, but it opened up and I gave it a shot and I met everyone here. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible group of people here. And
1: you have the personality for it too. I think it was meant to be Oh, thank you. Because a lot of people will say, oh, once I'm done practicing, I'm going to go into education as if it's an afterthought. Um, and that's totally that's fine. That's how it should be. Uh, but there's a certain personality type that is, I think, needed in education uh, that isn't always going into education. But once you're here, once you once you meet your match or like, you know, a protein Attaching to a substrate. <laughs> um, you know, it's a perfect fit. Um, yeah, I want to talk you. about you had mentioned uh, the pediatric oncology. Actually, that's why when I came into med school, I was like, I'm going to be a pediatric oncologist. That's what I thought. Wow. Um, and we're a long, a long way from that now. But for the same reasons why you had just mentioned it, the patients are incredibly resilient, they're young, they're in the hospital. They don't really understand the gravity of it. They're happy-go-lucky, and you're, you're helping them um, live another day to do things that we take for granted. Go to prom, drive a car, do things like that. And that, exactly. to me, seems extremely meaningful. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to do PEDS for sure. These patients are amazing. Yeah. But then I met parents, Yeah. and everything changed for me. <laughs> I met parents, and, and I think that just changed. And Becky, you picked PEDS.
2: Tell yeah. us why, but I knew from
1: the beginning you would, though
2: yeah so it's so funny because i think everyone from the beginning already assumed that i was pediatrics i was gonna a pediatrician, but I was the probably the only one being like, wait, let's just wait a minute. Like, I should probably see what every specialty has to offer because I know I was already biased to pediatrics from the beginning. We see a pediatrician all our lives. It's the one that we see have the most exposure to. And so, and I had seen kids a lot. Um, I had been playing with kids. I take care of kids. It, it was just, it was something that I knew that I loved, but um, why pediatrics? So... <laughs> I think if I now looking back, if I had to say back in undergrad, back when I was still undecided and back when like you see all those pre-medical students and they already know what they're going to do. But for me, I was like. I don't know. It's it's a long journey. They think
0: they know what they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. That's
2: true. And then and then I was already worried back then because my grades weren't the greatest. So I, I already thought, oh no, I'm I'm not a competitive applicant. Um, organic chemistry was not a smooth ride for me at all. I actually had to retake organic chemistry too. So it was it was it was definitely something I had to consider. But I asked myself, where do I see myself ten years from now? continuing to be fulfilled by the work I do. And so that's when I saw myself as a pediatrician. And then I was like, okay, I guess I will continue this pre-medical journey. I should probably apply to medical school. So
1: So Becky, this is the first time, and I have to apologize, the first time we've ever had four people on the show. So we're still kind of figuring out how to do this. But I realized you didn't even introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. But no, we didn't introduce you. Shame on you, Mitch. Um, But... (laughs) We we have Becky Lee, one of my favorite classmates, one of my first friends my here first at My first friend, you are yes. my first friend. We sat next to each other at White Coat. It was amazing. We shared eggs. <laughs> um, and then remember at the pinning ceremony, you brought me croquetas, which I had never eaten one in oh, my entire yes. life. You know, I was just yes. a naive girl from Colorado. Welcome to
3: Miami. Gibbons. Welcome. Yeah. yeah, she, yeah she, she brought, bro- food. I was yeah. Like, what are
1: these? It's fried ham in a stick. This is delicious. <laughs> and I had my back hurt and you looked at me like, do you need me to rub your back? I was like, Becky, you're the sweetest person on We're the planet. No, 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 it's the <laughs> nice. um, but this is Becky Lee, member of the charter class, amazing human being, future pediatrician, um you told us about your undergrad journey tell us a little bit about your life i know you grew up here
2: yeah actually yeah very similar to dr dower i grew up in south florida i was more in the suburbs so like davie florida exactly where nova is (laughs) located but um so yeah uh my parents uh, uh were immigrants from china they were very hardworking, and so i think i had some pressure on me to make sure that whatever path I chose it's something that's meaningful not only to me but where they also felt that I guess secure I guess is a good way to put it so um and then I guess more about me um I did go to undergrad um out of state to Duke University and then um like I said, my grades weren't the greatest for for a pre-med student, so I I did have some doubts of whether or not I could get into medical school, but with great, great fortune, I've been able to join you guys with, again, I I a lot of times I had imposter syndrome. I didn't think I belonged with, with you guys who are very, very talented. But um, but yeah, no, now at NSUMD, fourth year. But yeah, it's great I, to be here. I
0: think you're in good company. I don't think <laughs> Sam or I were like the, you know, pinnacle... Uh poster child students in undergrad either and we still ended up here.
1: That's not true I was. Yeah (laughs) then. Let's get that straight, I was. Just didn't have the best MCAT. Okay. I have three distinguished degrees in undergrad. One in film and one in biology and chemistry. That's amazing. At the prestigious Metropolitan State University of Denver. (laughs) (laughs) Home of the Roadrunners.
0: So I was just thinking, you know, we're at a a unique time in that, you know, we all just went through match just very recently. It's all still settling in. How are you feeling right now, Becky?
2: So um, I actually listened to the other previous podcast and I was totally agreeing that it it, it wasn't sinking in. It was like it was, it was definitely a process but now we're almost two weeks in and I actually got to meet the residents in person on Sunday oh, and so, so yeah so I'm really excited and now it's like it's becoming more real for me.
0: Are you staying local or are you heading far away?
2: So I am going to Nicholas Children's in Miami so not too far from here but I will have to find him an apartment because I did couples match down here so I'll be living with my boyfriend.
1: That's right you and Dr. Dower have that in, in common. Yes. You guys have a lot in common.
2: Yes. So you did the couples match with Dan
1: who I yes. saw on match day, and I was like, hey, Dan. Like, we were old friends. And he looked at me, freaked
3: out. <laughs> who like, are you? who is this lady? I, no,
1: Why is she yelling no, my no, name? No, like, no, your no. teacher over there keeps
3: talking <laughs> to me. No, <laughs> like, no, no. Same. No. Same with me. I went right up to him. I'm like, hi, Dan. Yeah, I've been no, talking to Becky but a lot that's, about you. Exactly. <laughs> it's because
2: same. I talk to you guys so much about him, but I guess it didn't connect the bridge <laughs> yeah, somehow. Guy who was like, I know. You, I know. You were just leading him along in there. He didn't know any of us. Yeah, no, but um, I. Uh, but, but back to what you said about Dr. Dower, I've had the great, great fortune of meeting her a little earlier than you guys. Yes, because um, Danielle from the Office of Student Affairs, she's our Director of Office of Student Affairs, she already knew that I was couples matching into pediatrics and she said, we have this new faculty dr dower she's amazing we click so well sweet. yeah no but she's she said you have to talk to her you can talk to her and her husband who also couples match then they could tell you everything about their experience and i was like okay yes yes i have to do this and so i i was very fortunate in and i think in our application season i don't know how early but i would say as early as maybe June, July, that I was able to talk to Dr. Dower. And I have consistently reached out with my questions. You're so sweet. And
0: like, I know it may sound like we're hyping you up or like we're hyping certain faculty up, but it's so important to like the students, like meeting people like Dr. Vols, Dr. Ely, Dr. Charlton, people over Dr. the De Leon. course, of, yeah, Dr. DeLeon, people over the course of years where you have really important conversations with that, you know, can end up, for me at least, switching your entire career path. I mean, it's it's really important stuff, so. It's definitely appreciated.
3: You know, this this lifestyle for me where I get to do this every day is just as fulfilling as the work that I did in the hospital. Mind you, I was doing chest compressions on little babies. I was, you know, truly I I was truly feeling like I was saving lives. And, And that sense of success also came with a lot of stress. But the sense of success that I feel with meeting you guys and working with you guys is equivalent to that. I really, truly feel that every day, and and I think that people who feel that every day will will find find their way in medical education.
1: So we're lucky to have you. Um,
3: I'm always excited when we have
1: the, uh, you know, just when we, when we run across someone like you. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, For you, this is like an unexpected career change, right? Absolutely. You know, four years ago, Dr. Dower didn't think that she'd be in med ed.
3: No. But now you're here. And what do you think? Like, what are your plans? That's a wonderful question. No, so I actually... I I thought that I would be in hospital medicine for probably 15 years. There's a very high burnout rate in hospital medicine and in ICU medicine because you're taking care of very acute patients and you're doing 24-hour shifts, week-long services, overnight shifts. So there is a known burnout after 10 to 15 years. But I really saw myself doing that for that long and never did I think that I would shift gears this early. I, I always knew I would do med ed. We have Dr. Mr. and Mrs. Machaber at University of Miami. And Mark and I always joked, my husband and I. I always joke that we, we want to be that. We want to be those people for our students because that's who they were for us. And now that I'm here, when I first got here, I was very candid with my boss that, you know, this is what I want to do. But I don't know how this shift is going to be for me out, out of clinical medicine. And actually another job opportunity came up recently in hospital medicine where I had a very nice phone call with somebody at a local hospital about the job. And the second she said, there's in-house nights, I said, forget it because I have a four-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And and to me, like – I took my career in medicine in a different direction a little earlier, but it's working for me, it's working for my family, and I feel that success. So I said, you know what, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm gonna go in this direction and stay here.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's like, sorry, not sorry. Cause it's yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's the perfect thing for you at this stage in your career. and. Although may, I don't know about the statistics, but probably most people do medical education later in their career. But I think it's cool that you're doing it earlier in your career. Thank you. And you can always go back to clinical medicine and swap or do a mix of both. So yeah. I think it'll be. It'll be very cool.
3: Well, what's so nice about medicine is that once you have your MD degree, you can do so much. And people don't really talk about how much you can actually do in the breadth of your degree, right? I can do telemedicine from home. I can go around in the newborn nursery here on campus. I can do some shifts of moonlighting at an urgent care at a hospital and still maintain this as my main job. And people don't really know that you have that bandwidth to create your own path, which whatever residency you do, whichever subspecialty you go into.
0: Yeah, and I think that that especially needs to be like soundboarded to uh, medical students because I think when people think of pediatrician, they probably, if they're like me, envision a pediatrician in a clinic seeing kids all day. But there's so many opportunities or like internal medicine like Sam and I are doing. It's not just hospital medicine or clinic. There's so many opportunities, whether it be med ed or subspecialty or even the variety in hospitalist medicine. So I think it's really important.
1: Absolutely. For you sure. said you you're a mother. You have two kids, yes. three year olds, a five month year old, and a job, and a job, and a husband, which is to me is like uh, who's a vascular well, surgeon, know, <laughs> Or a, th- a third kid,
3: basically. Um,
1: you know that's tough. And the double AMC yeah. just they released a statistic last year saying that forty percent of females that enter residency training, leave within a few years, they wow. they leave clinical practice. That's incredible. Within six right. years of residency, they leave clinical practice. Wow. Um, citing several reasons, you know, yeah. family, uh, change in career directions, Absolutely. Um, and then how there's a huge barrier to actually get back into clinical practice once yeah. you've left for a certain ex- a extended amount of time. Um, and I never knew that number until yeah. like very recently. Yeah.
3: Um, if you're out of clinical practice for a year, you start to lose it. And there's so much new evidence based information that has been presented within that year that you have to catch up. So mm-hmm. every year that you're out, it's like 15 years in medicine these days because of how fast technology and medicine are moving. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah so MedEd is a good place to be because you always are keeping up to date with that stuff exactly okay exactly as somebody who also i want to do medical education that's my goal um it's inspiring to see you here especially so excited thank you Um,
3: it's it's quite phenomenal to be here
0: now i do have a question or maybe a series of questions but i know our time with you is unfortunately a little limited you have a a meeting soon Um, but i think a good transition for when we just start talking to becky is if you could maybe reflect on your time in residency which is not so long ago Any tips, any reflections you have uh, that you can maybe give Becky or any aspiring pediatricians, especially in this transition point towards residency from the end of medical school?
3: Absolutely, there's so much to residency to make it a successful time for you. And what made it successful for me is creating a family within my class. So there were 28 other people in my class. So that was my pediatric residency class. And they were my home. That's a pretty big class. Yeah, It's a big class. I was in the Bronx. Right. So I'm from Miami Beach, moved to the Bronx, knew people. I was very lucky to have my husband come with me. Right. That's my number one support system. So I had that. But having a support system within your class is the most important thing because you have like this like shared struggle with them. Right. So a few people will have a hard day or week and then an- another group of a few people will have another hard day or a few weeks. And and you're able to share those experiences with them, but support them when the trauma is harder on others around you. It's beautiful because at three in the morning when there's no admissions, you run over to NCB, which was like the rackety hospital down the street and you go get ice cream in their basement right at three in the morning and that's like was fun for us to run through the bronx and like go get ice cream at three in the morning and having that sense of family within your class is one of the most important things especially if you're not going with a significant other i think another thing is identifying what works for you in terms of your mental health. So I am very open about, you know, my own previous struggles and I'm very open about people being able to recognize that within themselves to then make a shift immediately. To, to get themselves better. And for me, I loved residency, because by that time in my 20s, I was already able to recognize when I had a bad day and could turn things around within a few days to not make it a bad few weeks. I think that's the hardest thing about residency is it's so stressful, kids are dying, your hours are really long, but if you can make sure that those bad days do not turn into bad weeks, you can maintain your sanity through residency. I was
0: just thinking about that, like just being able to identify when you're starting to feel a little crispy and yeah. things are building up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that it, you know, like you said, doesn't turn from days to weeks Absolutely. or just build up into a, a bad situation. And
3: have something to look forward to. My husband and I lived in a tiny little apartment in on Gun Hill Road in the Bronx and it was like so cheap and we saved up all of our money to go on these lavish vacations that we would like look forward to. So we did like a full week in. in in South Africa, in, in Kruger on the safari and went to Cape Town and like, it's those experiences and that travel that maintained us, right? Like we looked forward to our next trip. Every four months we would do a big trip and that's something that would maintain us and maintain our sanity. We'd come back refreshed.
0: Yeah. And like you can't really control how difficult or challenging the the months in between are. But yeah. at least you're like, oh, well, I have the memory of the previous vacation and yes. I get to look forward to the yes. new one. And like there's little breaks. In between.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And making sure that you attend the things that are important to you. You will find that you feel this like sense of you know, purpose, but also responsibility to your patients, to your program. But you have to take the time that you need. If there is a wedding for a significant other and it's hard for the program to cover you, that's our job as a program to cover you with other residents so that you can go attend to what you need to attend to, right? Because somebody else is going to have a baby and you're going to have to come in and work for them. So if you need to go to a wedding to go to your family's function, because that refuels you, your program needs to be able to to move things around for you, and I think that that's also really important is having good leadership in your program.
0: How did you How did you approach the balance between, um, you know, being a normal person and like also learning and just growing as a physician early in your career, and kind of maintaining that balance with you know the rigors of residency.
3: It's such a good question. My husband was also in residency. So he was a general surgery resident. So he was gone, right? Like he was gone 80 to 100 hours a week. So I felt like my residency was great because mine was 60 to 80 hours a week. So mine was a blast. Um, I think that Creating the relationships with my colleagues and going out to do things that we enjoyed together maintained my sanity as a human and what I liked. So, like, we'd go do karaoke in the city. We'd go to Broadway shows in the city because I love music and theater. And just maintaining that weekly for myself kept the learning easy. Learning in residency is not like the learning in medical school. It was much better. The learning in med school, you are sitting in the library, you're reading these books, and it's just not palpable to you. But when you're in residency, you are absorbing it from every single patient that you're learning from, doing an exam on and and taking care of. It's easier learning and it's more enjoyable learning. And what you're reading on in between, like on up to date and articles on, it's what you love, right? Like you're not reading about some like strange like histological, you know, sheet and page 123 in your histo book like you're reading something that means something to you
0: I was giving advice uh, to a third year student the other day or a second year student that's about to become a third year student and start their clinical rotations and not to compare the rigors of third year with residency because they're not comparable but the study method does uh, become more comparable to residency in that it's not first or second year like you said where you're sitting down and you're you're studying for hours on end and you're doing questions for hours on end it's longitudinal and you have to study bit by bit maybe you do five year old questions on a random computer and then you got to go and then you look up past- like stuff about your patients on uh, like different reference materials and then you're you're doing work and then you have some downtime and you can knock out more. it's it's more sporadic and longitudinal versus just like blocks of dedicated time to studying cuz there's work that you have to do and there's responsibilities you have
3: definitely yeah. the first Year, you are going to yearn to learn about pathology and pathophys on your patients. It may not happen and it may not click in. It clicked for me that I was really, really truly becoming a pediatrician in the middle of my second year because your first year, you're taking care of a very high volume of patients, you're getting to know the EHR there, you're learning medications and how to write them, you're learning how to write, you know, medical legal documents. All of those tasks occupy a very large chunk, I would say half to three quarters of your first year, you are a workhorse. You are running around. You are taking care of the patient at the bedside, doing procedures, getting the blood draws, doing the IVs, getting them to MRI. And then towards the end of your first year, that's when you can allow yourself to start absorbing more information. So I really suggest not focusing on the fact that like, oh, my God, I still don't know about heart failure and like I'm already halfway in like, OK, but you've learned so much like you didn't know how to order labetalol, and now like you know how to order libidolol, right? Like so it's it, no, it's and it's the basics. It's absolutely learning the basics first and then the rest of it will come. And it by the by mid second year, I would say.
1: And this is good advice for any residency, not just pedi- pediatrics. This is anything. I know our time with you is limited, and it's you. We're at the mark where you have to leave. But I'm sorry, no, no, no. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Come Thank back you. on. Uh, I'm gonna plug transition to residency course because you did a fantastic job. Thank you. Truly, I wish it was longer. No. Um, I don't know if my classmates agree. Yeah, Mitch does. Becky does. Well, I wish but... I could just hang out with you more. That that was <laughs> the fun part. It was so delightful. Um, your advice. You, the sessions you had planned. The simulations were fantastic. Thank that you. was. You know, having Mitch and I and, and Becky, we had been in COVID. We'd been out of, you know, we missed some time in the clinic. It was nice to, so we never got to have that Sim Center experience. Yeah. Um, it was really nice. It was nice I to really have all of you together.
3: That. It was just so nice. Thank so you. So, future
1: M4s listening. Um, that 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 transition to residency course is really cool. So get excited Aww. for it. Thank you guys.
0: Yeah. It it kind of reminded me of like professional immersion on the on the front end where it was like two week orientation and this was like a two week finale. Aww. In a way Aww. it was
1: boarding. Yeah, like a two-week off-boarding or a goodbye, the long goodbye. It
3: was so nice for me to meet you guys because in those two weeks, I feel like I grew so close to you guys that on match day, I was, oh, my goodness. If you could see me, I I have videos of half of you on my phone. And when you guys opened your envelopes, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, it like clapping like day. I was your mother. I mean, it was so phenomenal. You guys did so phenomenally well in your match. I mean, you're a brilliant class, right? Like, think about your personality that you have to be fearless to join a brand new medical school and entrust your education in the people around you here fearless that's like the word that I can think of and you guys are brilliant so well, I'm very thankful well did we thankful. live up
1: to the expectations I'm sure you heard you absolutely about us did. you absolutely You know before did. we
3: came in no I didn't no, I didn't no you I was, didn't get a primer no, a warning from Dr. Charlton I got a watch warning, out for that class I got a warning they're a little of, yappy they may not want to be here in person so if they seem that way don't be upset and when I first stood in front of you I was so nervous because there were like 50 of you looking at me with these eyes like I can't believe you brought me back here after two years of not having I was so excited to come back and see everybody. I was so nervous, but I think after an hour of just like being together and everyone just kind of having breakfast and talking to each other, it it turned into a beautiful two weeks. So thank you. No,
1: thank you for that experience. Also, just some light feedback maybe on the breakfast can be a little um, better.
0: (laughs) Can you tell the school that, please?
1: (laughs) Salsa thing. Um, But thank you for being here, Dr. Dower. Thank you, guys. I'll see you soon.
0: Thank you. We'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. All right. So unfortunately, Dr. Dower has left the building, but we are still left with a very special guest.
1: Yes, and welcome back to Sink or Swim, the janky edition.
0: (laughs) This has been uh, not the highest production value today, but still great guests, great content overall.
2: The best guest, Becky Lee. Becky. Thank you for having me. I wish Dr. Dower were still here because, again, she has such pearls of wisdom, But I'm happy to somewhat make up for her for her loss.
0: She definitely hit us with the pearls of wisdom. But I think now it would be a great time to kind to transition into how your journey through medical school has been, especially and specifically as a pediatrics applicant who now is successfully matched.
1: Well, this is something we ask everybody who comes on the show. You, you know, we know your background. We know, okay, Becky. You grew up in South Florida. Um, you applied to med school. You told us you you didn't think you'd be a great applicant. I disagree with that, um, and and I guess NSU disagreed with that
2: sentiment as well. But do you remember the day you got in? Oh yes, for sure. So this was actually at a point in time when I didn't. Again, I didn't think I'd get in. I was on. I had applied to 43 medical schools, and I was on three wait lists. So, and this was at a time when I, it was, I think it was already April or May, or people were already hearing back. And so I I decided I'm just going to reapply, actually prepare for another application cycle. I even took the MCAP for the second time. I was waiting for scores to come back. But while I was waiting, I decided to go visit a friend in Taiwan. And so I had just woken up that morning and checked my phone. And then that's when I got my acceptance letter. And I was like, whoa. So
0: you're out of the country. <laughs> I was out of the wow. country.
2: And so it was so funny because my friend I think had also just woken up. And so I told her I got into medical school and she was like, congratulations. And I was like thanks and then and then we went on the rest of our day but i was just like oh my gosh it just happened so it was definitely it was definitely surreal because again i was in another country i'd just woken up a little jet lag yeah an out of world (laughs) feeling to think like is this still real like what's going on and
0: what month did you say this was
2: i forget it was it was april or may it was
0: wow pretty soon before we started
2: yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so you only had like two months to Good thing he was in town. You already lived here and you knew where you were going. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah,
2: I didn't have to find, because I'm I'm living from home currently with my family, so luckily saving on costs, but yeah, luckily I didn't have to deal with all that stress. (laughs) Well, a smart decision made by our school for sure. So
0: bring yourself back to when, uh, you know, you got the acceptance a few months went by, and then professional immersion. How Mm. are you feeling? How was fundamentals for you? How was that first stage of medical school for you?
2: Yeah, I mean I'm I I'm sure that you guys can also agree and have already discussed this but Professional immersion, again, is just two weeks, and it's more like celebrating you're here, and it's more of the concept of being a doctor, and this is how great the field of medicine is, and um, these are some ethics that you might have to um, face. But again, it's, it's all theoretical, and it isn't until fundamentals that they, again, is the fire hose of information. And so professional immersion was fine. It was more of, wow, this is fantastic. I'm getting to see and learn about all of my colleagues around me. And then fundamentals is more like how now, how do I study and what is the best way to do it? And fortunately, because we are the charter class, I think that's what actually that's the glue that brought us even closer together because we had no seniors to look up to. We only had ourselves to rely on, really, and, and, and I guess our own network that we can depend on. And so learning about and sharing all the study methods that you guys use and just telling myself, I have to adapt. I have to adopt that. I haven't done it before. I haven't had Anki before in my life. But if that's the way that people are going by, that's what people attest to, then that's what I'm going to have to try, try, start using. That's a good
1: point. I remember those first couple of weeks. I remember Mitch having a little Anki workshop in the CDC, C- D- C, the little, in the lunchroom, that little room.
0: Oh, yeah. We just got like a little group brought, of us together.
1: And I, when I look back on it, I think, wow. That's cool that Mitch did that. That's cool that everybody yeah. just came together, that, you know, Harmon had a shared drive. Yeah, exactly. And then we all just we, we, we all started this new together, had no idea, nobody to ask.
0: I haven't thought about that in a while. And
1: just yeah. kind of banded together and yeah. figured it out. There yeah,
0: definitely was a sense of camaraderie and like, wow, we're a little in over our heads, but we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I think the I know we've touched on it before, but not having upperclassmen, man, because uh, even just myself like I've I don't know all the third years and I definitely don't know most of the second and first years but like I've they a lot of them have texted me or like emailed me and asked me a lot of questions And that's just me like the number of questions that they've probably reached out to us with is very high and we had none of that
1: yeah when I see him on if I see him on the at the hospital it'll be there They're just so excited to see a fourth year. We were excited Um,
0: to see. Do you remember when we went to, I don't know how you felt, but like when we went to internal medicine at uh, Aventura for the the first time, we hadn't been around any fourth year medical students ever. No, and
1: then I met my very first, Dr. Ryan Geffen. He's at he's he's an FIU student. Um, He's a fourth year. And he just, he sent the mold for me of fourth year energy. And I was like that all throughout my third year and fourth year. Now, he's amazing. He's, he's in internal medicine now. Um, but I was just so happy to see, you know, an upperclassman. And, and if you notice, if we walk around campus or if, you know, one of the M1s or M2s see us or if we're on a Zoom, they want to talk. They want to an- yeah. get their questions answered. They have a lot of questions. We didn't have that. We didn't even have Dr. Tolchinsky when we started. We didn't have anything except each other. in a a very loose framework Mm -hmm. that worked
2: and let me just say that you guys are very approachable and i think that's why the underclassmen like the m1s m2s m3s feel so comfortable asking you guys questions because mitches you are no 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 you guys for sure (laughs) because i mean i will have to admit i feel i still feel a bit disconnected i know a couple i know a couple of m3s maybe m2s sprinkled around but i think Something I hope to do more is if if anyone is listening to this wants to reach out with any questions, feel free. But oh yeah, we are more than happy
0: to answer. Yeah, especially pediatrics applicants or anyone interested in pediatrics. I think Dr. Dower and Becky both will be uh, very helpful for you.
1: I think um, I just wanted to say how impressive you guys are. This that was impressive watching oh, watching you guys a, all do that. They have a bond. Yeah, yeah, they do. You guys are good. You and Dr. Oh, pediatricians yeah. have a. Like a, a pediatric- they're like a clan. Oh. They
0: have the pediatricians give off like an aura of like we love kids and we're gonna let everyone know we love kids. Yeah, like they're like teachers. Yeah, elementary school teachers. That, there's definitely that a grab your arm it.
1: too hard when you're crossing the oh. crosswalk and not
3: looking.
2: <laughs> no, I mean. I mean, Dr. Dower for sure. Like you can already sense, and I think that's why we loved her in transition to residency, is that you can tell like she reaches out her arms and and she, you can tell she wants to take care of you. Like she's that mom who wants to like guarantee your success, like wherever you, wherever you are.
0: Yeah, big pediatrician energy. Yeah, definitely, <laughs>
1: definitely. She's got that. Becky, do you remember when school first started? You started. You started the first technical club on campus, oh. the Lunch Club. I don't know if Mitch went to any. Lunches. I went to, yes, yes, yeah? he went to one. Yes, he went to one. I do remember. It was a Middle Eastern restaurant. Oh, okay.
2: Um,
1: I thought it was fantastic. Well, oh, thank you. Because I love food, and you knew all. You know all about food in the area, which is great. And it was just, it was wonderful. It's a good bonding experience. Oh,
2: for for those listening, it was more of um, because. I'm local to the area. So for the first couple, I would say with the first semester actually once a week, we would all just go to a restaurant somewhere in the area and just try it. But um, I'm, I'm really glad you guys liked it. I I think every week I did ask around like what kind of cuisines you guys were interested in. And I'm pretty sure we've had some misses and I, I apologize for that. I don't know but if it was
0: an official lunch club meeting. It I wasn't. To, I went to a bon mi no. place with I think oh, you Jesus. and Yeah, a few you others. were there. I was there. Yeah, yeah so it's, maybe it's it's I've been to right, two. It's right around yeah, right the two, corner yeah, yeah. from my house. Yeah, so I guess I was yeah. an unofficial member. Yeah. 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 I, my first, the, my only lunch club memory really uh, was my first time talking to Nafisa. And within like two minutes she was asking me about my deepest like political and <gasps> religious convictions. <laughs> Yeah, shout, that's out, shout, out nafisa. shout out nafisa no yeah. she's great yeah
1: that's what she does that's her thing <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah she's awesome but yeah how so okay so anyways you got through fundamentals <laughs> <laughs> you got through fundamentals obviously and then we kind of break these up into like milestones right because fundamentals is its its own beast but then i feel like everything kind of blends together until step one maybe mm-hmm. you'd agree or not uh, but how is that period between fundamentals and step one for you and leading up to dedicated
2: Okay, so fundamentals to step one. I think, again, it's honing in what my study method is, what works for me. And so I think for me, I realized that Anki does indeed work. And so I kept up with that. But then also, I guess it was the. What's Anki? Anki, so thank just, you so no, much I'm for asking. Uh, no, but still, okay, it's, so it's it, but in case anyone wants to know, knows. it's it's the flashcard uh-huh. program that yeah you can download online. Um, you can also get it, use it on your phone, on your iPad. But I I think it was also knowing how to allocate my time. Because again, I think, we you guys have ta- talked about another podcast, but the, that amount of independent study time that you get that I was so grateful to have, but how do you utilize it well? And what else do you do? Watch TV shows. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. wellness, you need that. <laughs> so it was, so I, I had to tell myself, I actually, and also the environment is that's best for you to study. So I realized early on that I can't study at home where I live with my family, where I'm reminded of my family obligations. Like sometimes I kind of need to stay away from that to make sure that I, I stay focused. And so I, I realized that school is the best way to study. So even though it's a 25 to 30 minute drive for me, it was actually worth it. And I think I would say that for a lot of our med students who are also living at home with their parents, they, I've seen them on campus too. So I think they would also agree. Um, I remember always seeing you in the PBL rooms, yeah. first year, second year, a, a fixture, Becky.
1: Yeah. In and the I, PBL room with her laptop. For sure.
0: And I feel like if you're, lucky enough to live locally uh, already with your family near medical school makes perfect sense to save so much money over Mm -hmm. the course of a few years. Um, But yeah, I completely agree. I don't know if I could study at home, uh, at least during the first two years. And coming to campus is definitely the place
2: yeah so i think fundamentals to step one again is honing in on what works best for me in terms of study methods my study environment and then yeah leading up to step one even i actually i i went to texas i live in florida i went to texas to study with my one of my college best friends to study together during our step one dedicated period and i would say that it was a good way to also like study with someone because i, I t- not only like you don't have to be studying the same material but it's in a way to like hold each other accountable you see the one person studying then you're like oh i should probably study too so um so yeah it was it was it was definitely a difficult time to i guess Accumulate all of the knowledge, and because again, I, I I probably lost all the most of the knowledge by now already, but um, but I think that was definitely the milestone of again learning how to study and then accumulate all the knowledge and make sure I don't lose it all at once.
0: I think that buddy system mentality yeah. and like going to a location that's not your home is really important. And I remember I haven't thought about this stuff in forever, but during dedicated, Piero and I used to go to the library across <laughs> campus, and we would do like practice tests every week. Yeah. Like we would <laughs> like a very Uncomfortable, weird situation like at a desk that wasn't super comfortable, just to like simulate <laughs> a, a stupid testing center every single week. And it was actually like really useful.
1: That's yeah. nice. You guys held each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, I never studied with a person because I have a problem with chatting. And um, You're I'm a such very, a nice chatter. No, I'm a distractible human being. I have to be locked away <sighs> in solitary confinement. And it's still hard. But like, I think once Mitch, you invited me to study over Zoom, to just sit on Zoom and study. I'm like, Mitch, I'll talk to you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have deep life conversations. I can't be around a person and then, you know, have my head in a book. I, I just yeah. can't do it. I can work through questions with people. Sure. And that, you taught me that, Mitch, and that really helped. Um, but I can't, I can't, I can't can't like study with people.
0: Yeah I think for those first couple years ideal for me was like me usually par and plus or minus one person would just go in a PBL room and we would do our own thing and not really talk much but every you know 10-15 minutes we would bring up some concept and we'd talk through it together but we wouldn't distract each other so that was ideal for me. So
1: I noticed my classmates doing that like they all studied in a room together but didn't chat and that is torture. I wouldn't I I didn't like it over
0: three people not a fan Like two or three people, including myself, was ideal for me.
1: Or going to a coffee shop, like on the uncomfortable chairs, it would hurt your butt. I I can't
0: do coffee shops just because of the noise. And the 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 people walking by, I'm very distractible.
1: I just want to know people's stories and the mundane details of their life. So I can't sit in a room with someone and like legitimately (laughs) study. Like it won't happen.
0: (laughs) So dedicated went well for you. That's pretty cool. You went to Texas uh, Mm -hmm. and you got through step one. And it's pass fail now for everybody, so I feel like maybe it's a different experience. But man, that mm-hmm. was a that was a trying time for all of us. Yeah,
2: oh, heck yeah, yeah. Especially again, we're the charter class. I think we already knew from day one that step one mm-hmm. mattered, and that's why from day one we were like, we need to study, we need to get U rolled as soon as possible, and that's something we advocated from our school. And luckily, we were able to get very early on. No, so,
0: I don't know uh, too much about the Peds, uh, like what they care about, what the program directors look for how uh, valuable or how important are step one and step two scores for a competitive peds applicant?
2: So I would say that step one still matters, but if you're comparing it to other specialties, it is a a lower score on average that's, I guess, considered acceptable of what they would, I guess, filter through in terms right. of what are who who are good applicants to their programs
0: okay so maybe not the end-all be-all
2: yeah not so i think especially pediatric programs they really want a holistic application they love volunteering they love that you volunteer with kids they love that you you do other things extracurriculars not just grades
0: i think the
2: average scores can be found on the nrmp charting outcomes
1: Um, for each specialty and pediatrics is on there. I don't know what the exact numbers are. I don't remember either. Um, but... I, I think, imagine there's somewhere it's like step one two thirties, step two
2: probably two two thirty two forties somewhere around there. It was around like it was actually the upper two twenties. So again, okay. a lower average compared to other specialties for sure.
0: I think the general trend, just you know, generally, very generally speaking, is that for more primary care based stuff like internal medicine, family medicine, peds, they they don't care so much about your board scores versus very highly, uh, especially the integrated surgical programs and really specialized things like niche fields. They care a lot mm-hmm. about your board scores. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's because they have such limited spots that they gotta find a way to. It's a very you objective know, filter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have to compare people somehow. You know, on a on a very um, equalizing mm. manner. is <laughs> <Just> step.
0: <laughs> so regardless, you get through step one all as well. Were you interested in pediatrics? I know you came in and you were kind of like, you know, considering everything. Yeah. When did uh, pediatrics really come on your radar as something you were seriously considering as a career choice?
2: So actually, it wasn't until I had finally completed most of my clinical rotations. So late in until, third year. Yeah, exactly. Until I had narrowed it down, because again, it was, it was, it was still on my list. But so was, so was OB/GYN. So mm-hmm. was, so was surgery. At one point, I, I actually had that problem of every rotation I came into, I actually came to really like, and so it was hard to, hard to cross things out.
0: Well, I think that's good that you have that perspective, because I think. I don't know if you felt the same. I was more towards that where I, I liked aspects of most mm-hmm. rotations um, and I think for some students it's easier they realize very quickly I don't like this, I don't like this and there's only a couple of options. But how did you kind of filter through that and narrow it down since yeah. you did like everything or yeah. most things? When
2: did you st- was pediatrics your first rotation? No, it was actually my second, my second okay. rotation.
1: And you were at a location that is no longer in service
2: well no I mean they, they still have a residency program there okay yeah so okay. It's, it's 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 they're still filled with residents um, I would say I I went to a place that was very inpatient focused. okay and we had we were our core rotation again we were the first group of students our first year of students um, that was going and that they set up, that our school had set up a rotation with. And so there was no outpatient rotations at all. And rotation, then COVID was yeah, still a thing, yeah, so exactly. a lot so of them the, would so it. So very, also very, very low patients on the floor. There was yeah. barely any patients on the floor. So I would say that I didn't have as much exposure to pediatric patients on the floor for, I guess, one or two weeks at at the time. And then when I came back for my sub internship, there were a lot more of you. Okay, so and it was better. On your yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. Good. So. so,
0: how did you find yourself deciding that pediatrics was for you?
2: So, it was more of I kept on consistently realizing how happy the patients made me because, again, I was learning so much from them. And just knowing at the end of the day, the fulfillment that I get from interacting with pediatric patients and knowing at the end of the day, finally seeing them being discharged and saying you get to go home is like one of the best feelings that I could I could say that I witness. Um, but, and then finally in terms of pediatrics, I it helped me, I had to compare it to other specialties in terms of lifestyle, other aspects, like what do I, where do I really see myself 10 years from now? Like, is this, is this work hour, environment something that i consistently keep up with and over the next 10 years sure i'm young now but like 10 years from now like will i still have the stamina (laughs) like will i still enjoy this as much will this still be exciting
0: i can't agree more with the 10 years from now because And I've given this advice to people, too, as medical students, like your rotation in a specialty, regardless of what it is, it's not the life of an attending. That is not what it is not representative of the specialty at all. Like emergency medicine is probably the most fun rotation for any student because you're just popping from room to room, helping with random stuff. There's no you you probably don't even write notes on EM. And it's really fun. But that is not what an ER doctor's life is like. Um, even your rotation on uh, internal medicine, like you're carrying two or three patients, maybe four with or five if you're getting crazy. Yeah. yeah, you're with residents, you maybe helping out with a few notes, but it's just not similar to the life. So I think I thinking about that. I think our about OB that, one is though. Yeah, I think for our sure.
1: OB rotation is most true to life.
0: It's more rigorous.
1: It's, well, it's it could be. more true to life of what an attending yeah. is like because we don't rotate with residents. We you're are, with them. You're one paired on one. one-on-one with a, with an attending. Agreed. So you go in, you see their patients in the clinic, you go with them to the hospital, you do the deliveries, you do the C-sections. It's
0: hands-on shadowing yeah. in a way. Uh,
1: essentially, yes. And it was my most fun rotation. Yeah.
0: So not to, I mean, obviously we do what we do as medical students, but I think the mindset is really important of what do I want my life in 10 years to look like, AKA, what is the attending life gonna be like for me yeah. and do I like that?
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's
1: why you picked peds. Yeah, pediatrics. So
0: you're yeah. you you know, you're kind of approaching the end of third year. At what point were you fully committed where you're like, I'm applying to pediatrics?
2: Wow. Um,
0: Was it later in the game? So
2: I, I have to add as like, just, just to explain myself, as a person i am a very indecisive person in general Same. so so it, even when it came to deciding my undergraduate major i our deadline was sophomore year and so they said if you don't decide by now then you can't register for the next semester classes so it was more of like it was almost like leading up to the deadline where but like slowly over time like the percentage was building up like i'm 80 percent sure i'm 90 percent sure like and then like and then just leading up to the deadline of when we had to apply to away rotations, I was like, you know what, I, I'm in. Once I, once I start applying to away rotations, like, I, I guess you could turn back, but I was like, I'm less likely to turn back if I'm at this point now. And so probably once I turned in my away rotation application, so I was April. like,
1: April, yes. April of your third year. Yeah. So right at the tail end of third year, Yeah. you're like, okay, pediatrics is it for me? And I, I think i well, with the exception of Mitch. I knew I was going to do internal medicine after my internal medicine rotation. Um, So then I just, I guess, you know, (laughs) 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 knew that going forward. Yeah, Um, I
0: I went past the away rotation thing. I did an away rotation in EM and really waited late. Um, So I I do have a question, though. For pediatric applicants, do most pediatric applicants do – away rotation
2: so i think actually that is a very good question because i i okay so i can't say this for all pediatric applicants because i don't we only have one co-pediatric applicant in our class who's who's also going to residency congratulations brianna but um we we both apply to away rotations but with the official pediatric guidelines due to covid they only advised one away rotation per
0: yeah, learner. I think a lot of specialties were like that. Is that
2: what you did? Just yes. the one? Yes. So because okay. of that, to respect the guidelines, I know there are guidelines, recommendations, but I just went with the one.
0: I just asked because I think for internal medicine, most of us didn't do away rotations. Okay. Uh, maybe correct me if but I'm wrong.
1: No, I don't. I only think one of us didn't Two of us did away rotations. Yeah. I think Steven and Joel did away and rotations. I
0: think that's true nationwide like generally for IM you don't do away rotations unless and the people that do is because you really want to go check out a program mm-hmm. or um, maybe you really want to go somewhere that you feel like is uh, you know a big name or something and you mm-hmm. want to really impress like an academic center and get a really nice letter. Oh, okay. I think those are some of the reasons people do aways in IM.
1: I think for us because you know charter class new school we have a very robust medicine set of electives to take at our school um, but not so much on the pediatric subspecialties. Yeah. Uh, just with the hospitals that we were partnered with while we were going through it. Now we have the Nemours partnership, so things are a bit different. But when we were going through it, we had uh, just our HCA East hospitals. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't have – we don't – none of them have, like, a large children's hospital, you know, multi-specialty children's hospital situation going on. So you have to do away rotations yeah. for pediatrics yeah. then. Um, If you want
0: that full experience If you want the full experience
2: If you want to know for sure And if you just want to learn more. Exactly. And actually, if I had the choice, I would have done more than one away rota- rotation just to do the subspecialty electives. Because to this day, I don't know, do I want to subspecialize? Do I not? But I, I'll know during residency. But again, there's like pediatric ED, pediatric endocrinology, there's pedi- pediatric pulmonology. Those, those are different things that I could be open to. So we'll see.
0: For sure. And you don't have to say, obviously, where you went to your away rotation, but like what type of uh, institution was it? Um, and how was your experience doing your away?
2: Yeah, so I actually went to an academic institution that was out of state. And again, so fortunate that that they had me. And I would say actually to what you said, Mitchell, about um, going to a, an academic institution. The reason why I went there also was because I was couples matching and my partner, my boyfriend, he's he was there. It was his home institution. So not only was it a way to be like, hey, like, you know Dan, Dan who's my boyfriend. Maybe you can Shout get to know Dan. me. You can get to Shout know me Dan. a little. <laughs> but it was also just to maybe um, spend more time with him, but then also increase our chances of couples matching to the same place. Okay, okay.
1: And the couples match for you. It worked out. You guys are both. You're going to stay at home, which yeah. is great because both your families I'm are here, so right? So
2: fortunate. So um, no, his family unfortunately is also out of state. But at least we have my side of the family, which is in 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 Florida, so, so we, we get to stay local and have some support.
0: So that's great, you get to stay local. So how was your experience as a student being at an out-of-state place? You've never been before, probably a big academic place compared to what you're used to.
2: Yeah, it was a huge adjustment. And luckily, I would say that the residents and faculty were so super understanding. And I'm very, very grateful to them for that. Um, It was adjusting to a new electronic medical record. It was the fact that I think all my all my rotations before had all been a community hospital based setting. And so I just seeing the amount of research that they kept on bringing up uh, papers that they would always quote during rounds, it was definitely a different environment. It was actually more exciting to me in that sense and so i it gave me a better sense in terms of what kind of residency program that i'm seeking and that i want for my education
1: and did that sort of solidify for you that you want to be in an academic setting for training
2: yeah yeah Yeah. no it really it really made me think that for me i like from what for what i could benefit from and again i'm like you samantha i am interested in medical education so i did think that it was the best learning environment for what i want
1: Oh, yeah, I can totally see you doing med-ed. Oh, thank you. One, pediatricians. They always go into it because they
2: like to teach, right? Yeah, you like, yeah. You, it's, it's the huge part of pediatrics. Whether, whether or not you go into primary care or not, you always have to teach someone. Mm-hmm. And you've got the personality, too,
1: like Dr. Dower. Mm-hmm warm oh, thank you Nice. She's, she's my role model
2: fun again i want to emulate her as a person She is, she she's is glowing resume but glowing personality so
0: well i'm really glad you guys got to meet yeah it's exciting to yeah. have a mentor in the field that yeah. shares kind of similar yeah. values and personality For and everything sure.
1: so you do your away rotation when was that like so you've applied in in you apply in uh april you, what, when do you do your away rotation?
2: Away rotation. So for me, um, and also for all fourth years, you you choose the way you want your electives. And so I decided to take my step two first before In I... May? Yes. Wow. Yeah. How'd that I, go? It, it went well because I had just came off my internal medicine rotation. Ah, and so I was fresh off the knowledge. <laughs> and it i only had i would say about four weeks and so it was the time crunch was was definitely stressful and being the first ones in our class to do it was kind of i guess mind-boggling and the pressure was on um to make sure i do well but luckily i had um i passed i didn't have to take it which is great and then i entered my sub internship really fresh off the knowledge from step two. So I think it really did help in that aspect too. So you did you sub eye in what, like June? Yes. Oh, wow. And then yes. what'd you do in July? So July was also just full of electives. Wow. So I, um, luckily, uh, Dr. DeLeon, our OB-GYN chair, he's, oh he told us, he, he has a, um, two week advanced, OB elective. It's a must. I yes, did it. Yes. Fantastic. And again, um it's it's not peds but you're there's babies, so Oh yeah. Yeah, and he really tailored the rotation to me. So he he had me follow the babies in the NICU. He had me also get to know the pediatric um, team also that come to the hospital and also get to know them, round with them. So I got to see that aspect as well.
0: So it's almost like a pediatric rotation yes, with an emphasis exactly. on the delivery, which is kind of cool. Because yeah. they have
1: a neonatologist there on that's yeah you know, takes the they take they scrub in they take the baby yeah. right away. I got to see uh, a C-section of a twenty-four year, oh, wow. a twenty-four week, wow, um, infant baby premature yeah. baby, um, so small so yeah. it was i mean it was just the the silence in the room like the, yeah. you could just you could feel the tension you it's can very feel delicate the, the with the, yeah. you know the with the with the ob with the neonatologist yeah. everybody was ready yeah um and they had to intubate into intubate the um the baby and the tube was small it was like a oh yeah it was like
0: it's like an iv catheter almost it was an iv catheter yeah it's, it was so small extremely small
1: I had never seen anything like that. Yeah, um, you know it was incredible. I mean, medicine's incredible. That was that was a really really cool thing to see. So that is a great rotation that I recommend anybody take
2: yeah. if you have. Yeah. It's a must do. Doctor DeLeon really tailors the elective to what you want and what you're interested in, and so I don't I don't think. I could say there's any other rotation where you can again follow, meet the parents before childbirth, and then follow birth, and then into if they if they ha- have to go into the NICU, unfortunately, but you then follow the baby into the NICU, see what kind of treatment they're having. Yeah, it what, sounds like a yeah, great experience. Exactly. Um, so then, after that, I had um, that was my away rotation. I had my away rotation in an out of state at the academic center, and again, it was very rigorous in terms of adjustment and in trying to, I guess, still impress the people there because again, it was potentially a place I wanted to go to for, to for residency, so I had to make sure that I was on my A game. <laughs> but. And then afterwards, what else? I think I think it was just full of. Um, I did my I finally did my first outpatient pediatrics rotation. How was it? It was it was very very well. It was. Actually, it was so cool because I had actually seen that pediatrician as a baby. And so it was like oh, wow. completing the journey full circle from oh. being seen as a patient and then coming back.
0: Is that a, a rotation you set up yourself?
2: Um, so no, actually it was something that Dr. Charlton, she had what she does for that outpatient, pedi- it's called ambulatory peds. And so she just reaches out to preceptors in the area, depending on their schedule. So I will say the place that I was at, though, was already filled with medical students. There were three other third year medical students there. I was the only fourth year there. And it was the patient load was heavy. It was, it was I would say, 40 to 50 patients a day. Mm-hmm. And you're not always with the doctor. Sometimes you're with the nurse practitioner sometimes. Um, yeah. So it's 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 a it was a very, very, filled day so it was definitely a different lifestyle and made me really consider like do I really want primary care or do I really want inpatient and I'm still kind of battling but for now maybe not not in primary in care 40 to
0: 50 patients yeah. a day
1: when I scribed for a pediatric ENT outpatient ENT at the University of Colorado we would see 30 to 40 a day oh, wow. 15 minutes back to back yeah. to back check the yeah. ears back to back I mean yeah. there's a lot of kids they yeah. Need their ears checked. I don't
0: know if I could do that.
1: It's it's rough. Yeah. I know we probably describes. will at some yeah. point in our
0: career, uh, busy outpatient clinic. But yeah. still, wow. Yeah. All it's right. Pretty
1: crazy. So, you finally get to the point where you're gonna apply. Yeah. And this is where some mathematics come into play, right? Because you have Dan, and Dan's doing internal medicine, mm-hmm. and you guys want to, you know, stay together, mm-hmm. go to the same. City for residency. Yes. You interned in the couples match. Yes.
0: You're the first person we've talked to that went into the couples match. So uh, if you could maybe just, I mean, you share whatever you like, but if you could maybe talk about how many places you guys had to apply to. uh, It's obviously very different than somebody just applying by themselves and just kind of how the process went for both of you. And the
1: couples match rate is slightly higher than the regular match rate. However, I don't know about the getting each other's top choices lining up. I don't know how that Uh, works.
0: So you end up. (laughs) matching overall better correct but maybe not where you wanted
1: maybe not at each other's number so there's some give and take on each side i think is is maybe what it does but i don't know you tell us
2: yeah so i i can definitely go into this because it was something i was very nervous about and again i didn't know anyone else who had couples match until dr dower like she joined pretty pretty late in the game but i'm so glad she she was there at least towards the beginning to answer all my questions um but yeah, you have to apply a significant amount more more places compared to if you're if you're a regular applicant. So I would say for example, the Texas Star Data I think for 2021 said that the average pediatric um, applications or places that they applied to was 28. Okay. So I applied to 65. Okay. So um, Again, th- again, I would not recommend this to the average pediatric op- applicant who is not couples matching because, again, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of time, um, and again, you don't want to waste anyone's time, you don't want to waste your own time, too, doing all those interviews, but...
0: Do you know the like average that pediatric applicants normally apply to?
2: Yeah, so so again, so the Texas Star data. I don't know. I think it is it only in Texas? But
0: um. no, no, no,
2: no, no, It's all. Yeah, oh, it's a bunch yeah. of med You oh, said okay, it was 28. Yeah, so it's it a 28 for um, the year 2021. Wow. So I, I was just
0: wondering and, and clarifying because I think for IM it's like 60 something, right?
2: For the
1: JAMA came out two years ago. 71 applications is the average, but for IM they're different. It, they're the most spots are in IM. Right. you have a lot of imgs us imgs applying im right. and they go they go hard okay as they have to um with the applications i applied to 91 programs
0: also you mentioned um, texas star i feel like texas star is one of those things that not tons of people I, know about and i loved it i thought it yeah. was awesome um, yeah people know about residency explorer or frida Right, there's probably another one i'm missing but texas doximity. Star, yeah doximity uh texas star is awesome
2: yes i love texas star so it's basically this kind of dashboard it looks like it's on like a spreadsheet of some kind and you should ask your school if you are given access of texas star and usually it's when you're it's in your fourth year that you start getting access and you can kind of see the data the statistics of um the average applicant, how many places they applied to, what are their scores. Um, And also there's this really cute section of like, uh, seniors offering their pearls of wisdom and then also just saying how the cycle went for them and so i remember reading in the 2021 uh sheet they said like oh apply broadly um or some people were like oh make sure like reach for the stars but also you have your safety so it was just it was nice and motivating there very-
0: just for a clarification basically it's a like open source i think they just survey fourth year medical mm-hmm. students like mm-hmm. we'll probably get it soon mm-hmm. i assume Uh, and we'll put in whatever we want, but you put in how many places you applied to, all the data about your application, (laughs) and then, you know, future medical students can see that, and it's it's a lot of data, it's very powerful. I think your school just has to request access. I don't think it costs anything, if okay. I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, but once you request access, then you should get like institutional access. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, but yeah, so you applied to like 60-something programs, and yeah. then how did that interview season go for you Well, two? how many did
2: Dan have to apply uh, to? So, so, I mean, ideally we would do the same number, but I think he was a little more anxious than me in terms of, I guess, how how things would go for him so he applied to i believe around 75. okay um but what we did was we aimed for the same cities so made sure that whatever programs we applied to they're all in the same cities maybe he had a few like three that were not in the same places as me but we were prepared for again other scenarios where we'd have to still be long distance so he uh, uh, as a as a background he's we're long distance currently he goes to another medical school out of state so that's why we're trying to close the distance (laughs) with the couples match
1: and he took a gap year, right, a research year. Yeah. And so now you guys are graduating together. Yes. Yes. Which exactly. is cool.
2: Yes, because we we were we graduated college the same year, but then I took a gap year immediately afterwards to ho- in hopes to improve my application, whereas he jumped straight into medical school. Okay. So he 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 then took a gap year then and then we we caught up. <laughs> with... And he did it like between what M two or M three and M four. Yes, yes. Okay. And that's
1: usually when people will take a yeah, research. Year. Research year
2: um
1: and so that's what he did and you guys entered the couples match yes. together you applied 60s he applied in the 70s so
2: how did interviews work out were yeah. all of your interviews in the same cities so uh there were a few there were a couple i would say but then it again the advice for anyone entering the couples matches (laughs) a couple (laughs) (laughs) yes no i just realized (laughs) but um any advice to anyone entering the couples matches as soon as one gets an interview in a city that or in a place that you don't have, then you email that program expressing your strong interest. You talk about um, how how much you want that place, how your couple's matching, how your partner already has an interview at this place. And you can include their AAMC ID and then include your AAMC thinking, ID. Yeah. Make, make everything easier on them so they could just like find your application easy enough and then hopefully send you that interview and invite. But I would say for me, actually looking back at it, I think I, I I probably sent around like 15, 14 to 15 um, letters of interest based off of that where he had interviews, I didn't. Um, and I eventually got interviews from four of them. So I wouldn't say it helps you the majority of the time but it can help and every single interview counts yeah so. and mm-hmm. the cost
0: of sending an email is nothing like exactly. five minutes of your time for times 15 it's definitely worth the potential of even just one interview exactly. if it pays off and even if it doesn't you didn't lose anything
2: exactly if there's anything i regret it's not emailing places earlier because again you start getting your your interview invites in late october and into november but I, maybe I didn't have to wait until he got that invite. Maybe I should have just started emailing earlier. That's what I realized. Because I think for this virtual cycle, sl- slots closed up early. They got taken they early.
0: Did. Yeah, same yeah. with IM.
2: Yeah. So unless- I umle- by mid-November, yeah. everything was yes. gone. And so unless you were like certain programs, like one of the programs said they were specifically saving some slots just for the couples match, which was so nice of them. <laughs> so, but unless you're like a program like that, then- that that program that those slots will be taken up even if you are couples matching so
1: and so how many interviews did you end up going on mm-hmm. um i think around 22. wow and then dan went on
2: i think around the same probably okay. like 18 to 20.
1: and so once you guys finish your interviews then like the oh. i just imagine like a scene in a movie where they're hunting a serial killer you have the yarn the cork cord, you're pointing you know Then you guys start thinking Yeah. out of like, so out of your 22 and his, you know, 20, how many were they all like, could you match them up? Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, so here's the thing. So someone, some brilliant kind soul came up with this website and this, this tool where you can have each person create their own individual preferred list. And what the program does is that it just assembles it and, and creates a couple's list for you, and then you can adjust it on your own. What is this website? But, so um, I think it was like it's like it starts with a Mac. It's like Mac and Tools or something. I'll try to but look if it you up. if Why you, you Google start? it, it's it's so it's so easy. Um, Reddit Reddit that they share the list. They share the website all the time, but it is a brilliant brilliant website, and it, it can have you prioritize certain things. So if you prioritize wanting to be at the same institution, you can put that. If you prioritize being in the same city at least and or you don't want to be past like a 50 mile radius or something like that that will put it in the top rankings and then after that we'll base it off of your preference
0: so i found the website it's maxiontools.com so it's m-a-c-t-i-o-n tools.com and then on that uh, you just click couples match or you can do maxiontools.com slash couples match and that's it yeah it looks like a really simple but really powerful tool
2: yeah so honestly we again since um, Dan and I are are pretty flexible and we're but we're also pretty indecisive. But so but when we came up with our own list Wait, You guys are both indecisive? <laughs> yeah, in How a lot of ways. do you figure out
1: dinner. Oh, That's let me tell be you. So tough. Let me tell
2: you. Um well, luckily we don't have to rely on dice, but I think since I love food so much, I think I'm able to narrow okay. it down. But when it comes to certain places if like I I actually had to eventually, to come up with my own list, I came up with a numerical system. And some places actually only differed by other places by like the 10th of a decimal. And so it was really like part of me wonders like, wow, it's only a 10th of a decimal. Like I really could have changed or swapped it if I really wanted to. But I'm just going to go by these numbers and just let the math take its course in some I like this. It's a very analytical approach. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to help me, I guess, justify like, okay, I'm okay with this. If like, at least I have some reasoning behind it. So you guys both figure out, you find out on Monday, the Monday
1: before the Friday match, that you've matched. Uh-huh. But do you know, does it say congratulations, no. you've couples no. matched? See, or that's just the thing. I didn't you know.
2: Matched. I didn't know until I would say maybe even the weekend before that you just get your own separate emails of whether at you as an individual matched because again for your couples rank list you can still towards the very bottom put the possibility that you match and then the other person doesn't. It's because that's worst case scenario and that right. that's actually no worst case scenario is both of you guys not matching. So this and so then the less less worse than that is mm-hmm. one matches the other one doesn't and at least the other one can soap to that area. Wow. So, I. We really debated whether or not to put it on, and we were like, yes, let's include it. Yes, let's not. Because I thought, at least if I don't include those possibilities, if I get the email saying that I matched, then I know for sure he matched. Oh, forgive my ignorance,
0: because I haven't seen, like, how it actually works when you're doing it. But would some couples, or do some couples, uh, I don't know if you know, but, like, maybe you would preference one of you does match and one of you doesn't match versus uh, you both match, but at like opposite ends of the country or something. Yeah,
2: You could do that. I mean, that's very risky, yes, obviously. It's very risky. And that would have to be in a scenario where that person who doesn't match has to really be willing to like, maybe they have their own extenuating circumstances like of like, I'd rather settle down, have a family in like the same city. Like they're married with kids already yes, or something. Exactly. Where they, like, yes, you separate. can do that. You can wow. do that. Exactly. And uh, let me tell you the no match code is just 9 zeros <laughs> so you actually have to include that as a code and if that oh. if that exceeds the number of whatever you actually have to pay extra for that code for the no match code <laughs> so that's awesome
1: and so. i think that number's 20 right i don't know yeah. if it's extended out for yeah couples. no for a
2: couple well not just for couples it's just any list that goes over a certain number yeah it's it's after i think you get like free 20 20 codes mm-hmm. and then after any code that goes past 20 then that's when you have to start paying and after a hundred then you start a it's a higher price after 200 it's a higher price do you
0: remember how many ranks you all had
2: we had 200 whoa yeah and the max is 300
0: how much do they charge
2: so um let me so luckily yeah so i would say for my list of 200 it was hundreds of dollars which luckily i actually had initially thought it was thousands of dollars because i had misinterpreted the list so i was preparing for like the worst yeah. thing ever, and so I didn't want a list of 300. I was like, No, I need to narrow this down. Wait, so, your list had
1: 200 ranks, meaning that whoa, I this my mind's just been blown. I hadn't th- I on. didn't know this so until you guys last week. Ranked, yeah. Like, oh, you know, well, I want you know, I'm gonna make up names of hospitals, I want you know,
0: Diet Coke Hospital,
1: Diet Coke <laughs> Hospital, and Becky wants Pepsi Zero Hospital, and our second choice is Becky at Diet Coke.
2: And Dan at Pepsi. Yeah. And, and our third, third, not third sponsored, Coke, not
1: sponsored by Diet Coke yeah. and or Pepsi. Um, but
2: the third one, both of us at Diet Coke. The fourth one, fourth of us at Pepsi. So you see there's so many different permutations. Yeah. So even though I had 20 something and he had 20 also, there's. I think our list came up with like, we had like 500. I forget. Actually, I'm sorry if I'm doing the you wrong. You can calculate wrong. this. But you had so many different permutations yeah. and so you have to make sure you weed out the ones that like oh no i i wouldn't want this and so yeah so.
0: wow so, very complicated process. If you are if you know you're gonna go through it with somebody, definitely link up with somebody like Becky or Dr. Dower or yeah. somebody who's been through it because I'm sure there's lots of questions that will go beyond what the little we've talked about.
2: Yeah, and I will say that since I, again, I'm long distance with Dan even currently, and so we, Google spreadsheets, we had to keep on updating the list through there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so,
1: but you guys, but it worked out. You guys both matched you down here. This is exciting. Yeah. Dan's moving down here. Yeah um you get to stay uh be close to family be close to family they're static my family (laughs) continue the food journey
0: (laughs) (laughs) one thing i'd love to talk about i know we don't have too much time left but i love if you could talk about the different career options that one might have going into pediatrics i know we talked about it briefly with dr dower earlier um, but different i don't know whether it be fellowship options Mm -hmm. or career options you may have straight off of pediatrics and maybe what you're thinking about
2: yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. So um, I think first, the first career path is what I think most people know about, which is the primary care path. So again, you, you as soon as you're done with your three years of pediatric residency, then you go out, um, you're hired by either by some practice, or I guess, I guess technically you could start your own if you wanted to. But I think most, if you start going to private practice, usually you're hired by, by some place, and then that's when you can Immediately start practicing as a physician. Yeah, so the other the other career paths are inpatient. So again, so the hospitalist, but there's also um, fellowships. So I am strongly considering those at the moment. But again, since I never had my pediatric subspecialty electives as a medical student, I'm not completely sure. I hope I can get more exposure. But yeah, there's like the emergency department. There's um, let's see there's there's other inpatient heavily focused ones like gastroenterology but that's a good balance i would say actually so so there's there's some that are again very hospital heavy like emergency medicine
0: maybe like maybe, intensivist like pediatric yes critical yes, care. yes yes exactly so it's like
2: i like, am you can go into icu gi cardiology
1: mm-hmm. endocrine
2: hemong yes sort of a gateway yeah okay. and then and then and then if you you can choose the ones that have a good balance of like clinic and hospital, which is like, what, like, like you said, so gastroenterology, pulmonology, endocrinology. So like, they'll say to the patient like, oh, I'll see you like outside of the hospital in my clinic on Monday and, and so. And I
0: think it's good advice for both internal medicine and pediatrics applicants when you're looking for programs. Uh, certain programs definitely have a focus like some IM programs I'm sure pediatrics too they may focus really on training hospitalists or primary care doctors and of course some people will still match the fellowship from those programs versus like where Samantha is going it's I think primarily people go into fellowship and there's like long track records of people matching into fellowship so I would really take a look at those programs especially when interviewing and ranking and all that Mm -hmm. yeah um so that's that's exciting so if you could pick like one thing right now where do you see yourself in 10 years like you said earlier
1: oh gosh yeah you talk a lot about this
2: 10 years from now what's going on in 2032 yeah no that's a great question but indecisive becky you know this is this could go anyway but you know i if you ask me right now i i see myself again as hopefully have graduated pediatrics residency involved in medical education in a subspecialty that i think that i can get either a good balance of clinic and hospital or at least be in a setting where i at least get a good mix of hospital and get to teach medical students and or residents so maybe i don't necessarily need the clinic but i at least need to have something that's a good mix
0: so you're kind of drawn to the hospital
2: yeah, and and for now, academia. I'm drawn. Maybe you'll be here. Yeah, Maybe you'll be back at NS- and see Unless you you're hiring.
1: <laughs> oh, I think they'll be hiring.
2: But Ten years from now. We'll yeah, see. Especially we'll see. if it's
1: you. Oh,
2: oh. <laughs> Too sweet. But they'll yeah, fire we'll someone just so no, they can no, hire you. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: Is it the acuity of the hospital you like, or what is it?
2: Yeah, I think similar to what Dr. Dower said, it's knowing, it's being able to treat sick kids because you can really see the drastic improvement that they have over the time, especially kids, because they're so resilient. Yeah,
0: I have a very limited experience of just shadowing pediatricians before med school and then obviously my rotation, but it does seem like uh, outpatient pediatrics is maybe the majority healthy kids that just need checkups, mm-hmm. essentially, with like well-child visits. But then obviously, you have the sick kids and then mm-hmm. the very sick kids mm-hmm. that come through your mm-hmm. office you have to catch and make some yeah. serious diagnoses on versus <laughs> oh the hospital an admitted kid to my understanding is generally pretty sick yeah. I- if they have to be admitted yeah. so that's very exciting uh you're going to be a great pediatrician we mm-hmm. all know thank that i'll take
1: you. my future kids to you if Aww. i have any of those poor things i'm sorry kids <laughs> and you guys kids. are going to be
2: fat fantastic physicians as well thank you oh, thank no, you so we really much we'll see about it. that
1: um But yeah, Becky, thank you for coming. I'm super excited for you.
0: Um, One last question. If you have any advice for pediatric applicants, anybody under, if you could just give them with any little summary of advice uh, going forward and like your reflection on medical school, what you wish you could have told yourself a few years back.
2: Oh, wow. Um, So I think telling myself, if I had to tell my previous me, don't worry. Things will fall in place, even though you hear those reassurance from everyone and you're like, how How can this be? How can this happen? Time really does help. And talk to as many people as you can, learn from everyone in terms of what their outlook is, how they approach things. I think that's helped me a lot in deciding or making my a lot of my life decisions.
1: You're a special human being. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For doing what you're gonna do. <laughs> Which is dealing with pa- parents. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think pediatrics is amazing. I think you're amazing. Oh, you're I'm amazing. excited for you. And we'll share croquettas at graduation. Yes, yes. It's
2: yes, a must. Yes. Great idea. Fantastic. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to happen.
0: It's a full circle moment for you too.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Becky, and
0: it was a choice. pleasure having you. Yes. Thank you for talking with us. Thank you for sharing this with other <laughs> medical students who are interested in peds. It's going to be a really great career. And... You're
2: going to do awesome.
1: It's Becky. Thank you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Becky's here and she's playing us out. It's the play out music. She's swimming. She's swimming. She's never going to sink. She's always going to swim. She's going to help all the little fishes live. Long and full lives. It's play out music and Becky Lee on the Sink or Swim podcast.